So, we are talking about the wonderful grace of God and the fact that His grace comes because of His love. He loves us. He loves us even in our sinfulness and even in our rebellion, even in our stubbornness. He loves us. And it says here, continuing in verse 8 of Ephesians 2, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And verse 10 is really important right here. Please pay attention to this. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So my question is, in your obedience, in accepting the grace, then do you know what the work is that you're supposed to be doing? Now, I'm very glad you're here. Excited that you're here. But I don't want you to just sit in a pew. God doesn't want us to just be spectators. He wants us to participate. He wants us to be about His work and about His kingdom, about His love. Scripture says, we, you are to be my witnesses. And this is a part of what God has prepared for us to do. And so in our obedience, we've got to have grace, the power to get beyond ourselves. And that's what this is all talking about. Now, we're in the, the book of Ephesians for today. Now, I want to ask you to think for just a little bit about anything you know about the city of Ephesus during Paul's missionary journey. Paul went to Ephesus. Now, Ephesus, the city itself, was a huge metropolitan place during these days. 250,000 people lived there. All sorts of trade, harbor, rivers. There was a lot going on in Ephesus. And there was a lot of paganism. There were all sorts of temples to dead gods. There were priests and priestesses in Ephesus for all of these dead gods. And Paul went there with the truth, with the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He also took with him a couple by the name of Aquila and Priscilla. They were committed Christian people that were assisting Paul in, in the ministry. And Ephesus was a struggling town, but there was an excitement when Paul got there. There was belief. There was acceptance of Jesus Christ. There was a realization that this was truth. And people got excited and they fell in love, if you would, with Jesus Christ. They reached out and they accepted the love of Jesus Christ. But Ephesus is mentioned not just in the book of Ephesians. Now this book, Ephesians, was written in about 60 A.D. But there's another book that was another passage of Scripture book that was written in about 90 A.D. So 30 years later, now Paul has been there. He spent a great deal of time there. Priscilla and Aquila were there. They ministered to people. They taught. There was an excitement. There was a, a love relationship with the Lord and with Christian people that were accepting the gospel. But in 90 A.D., the book of Revelations was written. 
And so I want you to listen to what is said there in the second chapter of the book of Revelations because I am sorry to say that something has happened. All of that excitement and love relationship that Paul, Priscilla, and Aquila had with the people of Ephesus, there has been a change because, as you know, in the second chapter of Revelations, Jesus has come back in spirit and is speaking to the apostle John. And this is what Jesus said. He says that the Ephesian Christians have done some things very well. But then he says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now Jesus is saying that. Now, as usual, I don't want us to just think that this is just words in, on a page. I don't want us to just think that this is a historical lesson. It's a lesson for you and me because sometimes we get on fire for the Lord. There is love. There is movement. There is obedience. There is an acceptance of the power of grace. But then it fades out. Are the fire dims? Or we call it backsliding. We get distracted. Again, that's what Satan wants for us. He wants to distract us. And this is what happened to the Ephesian Christians. Jesus himself is coming back saying, you have forgotten your first love. And if you don't repent, then I'm going to come and remove the lampstand. Now, what is the lampstand in this passage? The lampstand is Jesus himself. He's saying, if you don't repent, if you don't get back to your first love, then I am going to step away from you. What a tragedy that would be. Without Jesus' love, we do not have grace. Without grace, we cannot be obedient. And so it's all just a, a negative thing if, in fact, we don't maintain our first love. So these people in Ephesus were struggling. And Paul is there, back to, to the book of Ephesians, he's there in 60 AD. He and Priscilla and Aquila are seeking to build the Ephesian Christians up. There's a purpose in God's plan there because Paul is ministering to them and ministering to Christian people and then ministering also to Jewish people. And in the first and second chapter of Ephesians, there's a great deal of power, a great deal of unity, a great deal of, of pulling people together because of the love of Jesus Christ. And there's a great deal of obedience there because the grace is there and the love of Christ is there. And in that, Paul is now about to pray for these Ephesian Christians. In the chapter, chapter number 3 of, of Ephesians, Paul is going to pray. And I would like to propose to you that in Scripture, we can apply that prayer to this place and to you individually and to your families and to this, ch and to this church family. Because in this prayer, there are several things 
related to what we're talking about, related to grace coming from the love of Jesus Christ and related to you and me when we accept that love, when we live in that grace, then that is the way that you and I can be obedient to to the leadership and to the commands of Almighty God. So then if, if you will just listen or look with me in the third chapter of Ephesians, starting with verse 14, because this is the prayer that Paul is praying for the Ephesians, and I would say that we need to pray this same kind of prayer for King's Grand Baptist Church and for you and I individually, because Paul, in verse 14, chapter 3, says, For this reason, what is this reason? He wants to bring people together. He wants to bring people into an experience of grace through the love of Jesus Christ. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being. Now, we've got the love of Jesus Christ that leads to grace, that also leads to faith, that also leads to power. And that's what Paul is just praying for. We've got to have a power outside of ourselves so that we can be obedient. Remember, you can't do it by yourself. Well, the power comes, and I'm going to go over to the first chapter of Romans because there's a statement, a powerful statement about God's power. It says there in verse 16 of Romans 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first the Jew and then for the Gentile. So where do we get this power? From the gospel. What is the gospel? It is the good news of Jesus Christ. If and when you and I are living in that power, then we're going to be able to be obedient. We will have something that is bigger than yourself. Now, that is hopeful because it is available just as far as God's gift. So then back to the third chapter of Ephesians because he's now prayed for the power through the Spirit in your inner being so that, and that's always an important, that's a place where the Scriptures is saying, this is going to be the result. This is going to be what's a part of that if you live in that power. So you live in the power through the Spirit in your being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ dwelling in your hearts. Now, we talk about the fact, you talk about the fact, that Christ is in your heart, that He's in your being. Now, yes, He's in this place. Yes, He's in many places. But Scripture has taught us in the New Testament that We are the temple of Jesus Christ. That that's where he resides. And that's where he wants to reside in your life, in your spirit, in your mind, in your heart, in your being. And so here we are talking about the spirit, the presence, the person of Jesus Christ dwelling in your hearts through faith. And now I want to go over to the book of John because there's a 
very powerful statement in the 15th chapter of John about this whole business of Jesus dwelling in us. Because in John 15, it says, and Jesus is speaking here. This is the night before he was crucified. He's speaking to you and me. He's speaking to his disciples in that day. Jesus says, I am the vine and you're the branches. If a man remains in me, put the word dwell in there or abides. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. That means that you will be obedient. You'll be obeying the, the plan of God. He will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown on the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. All right? When we are obeying, when we have the power of the grace and the love of Jesus Christ, then we are going to be his disciples because disciples do what the master says. He is the master, we are the servants. And so here when he's dwelling in us with this powerful indwelling, then we're going to have the inclination to rise above our rebellion or our selfishness and we're going to be obedient men and women. And so back to... to third chapter of Ephesians, he goes on to say, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints. So here's a statement of being rooted and established in love, then having power with all the saints. Now, how many saints are sitting in the room right now? If you're a saint, please raise your hand. Everybody, please put your hand up that believes in Jesus Christ. <laughs> you didn't know you were a saint? I'm sorry, and I don't mean to throw rocks at this, but I don't need a, a pope to tell me that I'm a saint. I have Jesus Christ and God's Word. You have Jesus Christ and God's Word. If, if, if some of you don't realize that, we are, through the presence of Jesus Christ, we are righteous, not through ourselves, but through this power of grace that I'm talking about, through the power and the presence of Jesus Christ in our life. You and I are ordained saints by the most powerful thing in all of being, and that is God's word and will. And so please understand that this is what it's saying. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints. Now, also, there's a sense of unity right there. Because having power in this loving relationship with all of the saints, do you realize that that means that you need each other? We need each other. That's part of why Jesus formed the church. We are what's called a local church, a body of believers that is interdependent with each other. 
And in that interdependency, we can celebrate, we can learn, we can experience more of the grace that we're talking about. When we experience grace, particularly through the presence of Jesus and through what he gives us through the church, then we can learn and move in obedience. The whole theme of what I'm saying to you today is how can we obey? You can't do it in and of, of your own power. You've got to get it someplace else. And this is the place where you get it. And now Jesus, I mean, this scripture is saying that he wants us to be rooted and established in love and be unified with all the saints. Well, we need to be unified. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, it says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people, that's you, all of us together. Now, he's just said that there are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But part of those of us that have that calling, we are to to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That is a statement of obedience. When we're obedient, when we're experiencing this wonderful gift of grace, then we're able to become mature. We're able to become the people that we're supposed to be. That's what it means when we become mature, attaining to the whole, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's part of this whole journey. So back to the third chapter of Ephesians. It is said that we're to be established in love and power together with all the saints in order to grasp, to grasp how deep and to know the love that is wide and long and deep, the love of Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you, it said to grasp. Now, this is a gift. We've read that initially. Grace is a free gift, unmerited grace, given to you because God loves you. And now it's saying that you are to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Do you grasp it? Do you take the gift if I reach in my billfold right now and pull out a $20 bill and give it to young Jonathan right there, he's going to look at me like I've lost my mind first. And the second thing he's going to do, he's going to say, well, now what do I do? Because the pastor's giving me $20. Jonathan, if I decide to give you $20, by the way, I'm not going to do that right now. But if I decide to do that, you've got to take that gift. You've got to reach out and grasp it. Otherwise, it won't do you a bit of good. I'll just put it back in my pocket, and I will go on about our day. I'll still love you, though, brother. Okay? But we have to take the gift. Well, that's what it's saying here. In order, and remember, this is a prayer. He is praying for the people in, in Ephesus. He's praying through, we're praying through Scripture right here 
for the people at King's Grand Baptist Church, and we're to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So how deep is it? How long is it? How wide is it? How amazing is this love? There are all sorts of scriptures that I can turn to. But listen carefully to this from the 8th chapter of Romans. Powerful statement. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now think about it. Who shall separate me? You, you're a believer in Jesus Christ. That's part of why you're here. If there's anyone that is in this room that is not a believer, have you, you've not accepted, you don't even understand what I'm talking about, then please talk to me before you leave here today. But I am believing that maybe everybody, I hope everybody in the room, is a believer in Jesus Christ. And now it's saying in Romans 8, who, who shall separate or what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What shall separate us? Will any of these things? And it says, no, nothing will. In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you understand what that says? Nothing. When Christ is there, when his love is there, when you believe, when you've committed yourself to him, nothing can separate you from that. Yes, you may go through hardships. Yes, you may go through persecution. Yes, you may even go through some doubts. But if you are a believer, nothing can separate you. Now, what does that mean? That means that you have his love in your life and you have, therefore, the power of grace. This thing that is needed for you and I to be Christian men, Christian women, Christian families, a church family. That is what is needed for us to be obedient. So, it says that we have to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And then the last verse here that I'm going to share with you from Ephesians, the third chapter. And it says, and to know this love, there's that word again. That is the foundation. This love, what love? The love of Jesus Christ. That love then gives us grace and faith and power and unity, and all these things that we're talking about here today, so that, see, there's that, those two words again. It gives us all of that so that you and I can be the Christian men and women, the Christian people that we're supposed to be. So we're to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. So what in the world does that mean? The fullness of God. I don't know that I can explain that. But I know 
that it's in Scripture over and over and over that when we accept the presence of Jesus Christ in our life, no, I'm not a God, you're not a God, but we have the righteousness, the love of Almighty God through Jesus Christ in our lives. And He doesn't give just part of that. He gives the fullness of that. And that fullness represents the power that you and I need to be obedient. So, the power of these scriptures, the power of this word from Almighty God, not just the power from Pastor Don, no, but the power from the Lord. He is master, teacher, he is our Savior. He is the one that calls the shots for our Christian life. It is saying that we are to be obedient. And I have said, and I believe if you will just think, you will realize that what I have said is correct, that in yourself, in your own powers, a man or a woman, in your own being, that you cannot be obedient to the level that this is talking about. It's got to come from someplace else. Well, Almighty God in all of His wisdom, He knows that. And so what has He done? He's come as Jesus Christ, as a man, but totally God, to say that if you will just trust me and put me in your life and let me be in your life and walk with me, and serve me and be obedient, then you will have the fullness of Almighty God. There will be this God nature in you and me. Folks, I want that. <laughs> I hope you want that. We struggle with our human nature. Every one of us in the room struggles with our human nature. It's flawed, and it's a struggle. But to have a God nature through the presence of Jesus Christ, we can have peace and freedom and forgiveness and eternal life. Why would somebody say no to that? I don't know. I'm glad I said yes to that. Nine years old. Yes, I grew up. And I believed. And I'm really thankful that my stupidity from the time I was 17 till the time I was 23, that my stupidity did not drive Jesus away. I came to my senses at age 23 and I said, Lord, forgive me, please. And he said, Don, I'm right here. And that was a long time ago. Do you understand what we have? The blessings that we have as Christian people. We have the fullness of Almighty God in your life. Please, please, I beg you, do not waste it. Let's pray, folks.